scare anyone. But I'm going to give it to you straight about Jason. His body was never recovered from the lake after he drowned. And if you listen to the old timers in town, they'll tell you he's still out there. Camp Crystal Lake is jinxed. He's got a Some folks claim they've even seen him. Right in this area. Who's that? Oh, hi. What are you doing on this mess? The girl who survived that night at Camp Blood, that Friday the 13th, she claimed she saw Boy, is he dead too? We didn't find any boy. And he's still there. Hey, campers. We're back for another installment of our Friday the 13th series. I I had a clever name for it, but I I forgot it in the in the heat of the moment. I am Chris. I am also Chris. And we are as always in the series joined by Still not Chris. No. Damn it. Maybe next time. Maybe by next week. And uh, I'm still waiting on the surgery to be scheduled. Uh, uh, there's surgery involved. Oh. That's what I'm being told by the man of the street, you know, whose trunk he's operating out of. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's safe. Um. Um. Yeah. Terrence. Yeah. Good guy on the up and up. But uh, cool. this week, we find ourselves at the Pinehurst Youth Development Center for Friday the Thirteenth, Part Five: A New Beginning. How many beginnings? Uh, I wish that this one never had a new beginning. But, yeah. Uh, a new beginning. I'll give you a little background after uh, after the success of Friday the Thirteenth Part Four. Uh, for whatever reason, they were they were they were trying to be uh, trying to kill off the series with Part Four. Part Four made a bunch of money. They decided that they could carve out $2.2 million for a budget for a Part 5 shot towards the end of 1984. It grossed $22 million at the box office. Ideally, uh, it was going to set up a new trilogy of films with a different villain, as you can probably tell as we get further on. You'll, we'll, we'll explain. Uh, but the sharp decline in the box office from part three and part four, uh, much like the critical and fan initial disappointment of Halloween three. It was decided that Jason Voorhees must be brought back for the next one. Jason lives, which of course we'll get to next week, uh, and has been a staple, the main antagonist for the series ever since. Uh, overwhelmingly negative reviews, uh, just, uh, very, very divisive, this movie, uh, very, very divisive. Uh, it opened March 22nd, 1985. Uh, it debuted at number one on its opening weekend, bringing in a little over $8 million, barely beating out Porky's Revenge for the top spot that weekend. 
Uh, Fucking yikes. Yeah. Uh, so, Talk about a rough box office. Yeah. Um, it was uh, overall for 1985, top, top box office, number 41 overall. So 41st uh, most highest grossing of the year, which is surprising. But these movies... As we've come to learn, the box office is kind of based on the movie before and with a really strong entry coming before, it was kind of no surprise that it was going to make a lot of money. Uh, Unfortunately, the one to pay for it was part six Um, Uh, because part six, part six, uh, when we get to the box office of part six, we're all going to be like, really? And it's because of part Part five five was so bad. Yeah. Uh, so there you have it. Uh, director, uh, which Danny Steinman, a piece of human garbage, Danny Steinman, uh, before he directed, a new beginning. He directed uh, some pornos, as is definitely evident in this movie. Uh, yeah. His chief complaint about this movie, like everybody has complaints about it. Um, the guy that played Roy, uh, uh, Dick Wyland, said that uh, all of these movies are trash, and you hope that yours is is the one that breaks the mold and is not trash. But he said this movie was absolute garbage. Uh, Danny Steinman's. Uh, chief complaint was the MPAA cut so much nudity. He he said his quote was, it was like we shot a porno in the woods. And there's so much nudity that's apparently cut out of this movie, and that's his biggest issue with it. So That's his biggest issue with yeah. this flaming pile of shit? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But damn it, you ruined my, I was going to say, I was going to make the cheesy joke and be like, more like a nude beginning, am I right? <laughs> Yes, you are very right. Uh, Don't you judge me, Scott Cox? Uh, no judgment. I will. I will say that the tagline for this movie is probably my favorite thing about the entire movie. Uh, it's if the thought of Jason still haunts you, you're not alone. And that was the theatrical poster. Was literally, if Jason still haunts you, you're not alone. And then the logo at the bottom, and that's it. Uh, I think that's a, a pretty cool tagline for a movie that doesn't deserve it. But, yeah, this, th- there's a lot, a lot to unpack here as we get to, as we get through all of our categories. But we start as we always start, now that you know a little bit of the history, uh, with production and production value. Starting off in the beginning um, with the only part with little Corey Feldman, uh, knowing what's coming later, I felt kind of like we got a preview of part six in the beginning of part five. Yeah. It, it felt a would, lot like it. Yeah, I would 2000% agree with that. It felt like uh, <laughs> it felt like you were watching Corey Feldman watch the beginning of part six as opposed to. <laughs> The beginning of part five, and uh, uh, honestly, I, I wish we could just skip to part six because, yeah, oh, buddy. Well, um, 
And unless I'm unless I'm mistaken and forget something from one of the early ones, is this the first time in that opening that we get to see the Jason sit up? Um, I mean, he sit, like he does like uh, like he sits up in the bed in part two. Uh, that's right. That's but I forgot about the bed. I don't know. Doesn't if he that really count? He sits up in the barn at one point in part three, doesn't he? <laughs> Uh, I don't remember. Uh, he, he, uh, I think, like, like towards the end, he gets he like he gets the axe to the head, and then he reaches out with his arms. But then uh, once he hits the ground and he lays, like he's done uh, because he's in the same pose in the beginning of of part four. Um, so it's one of the it's one of the first sit ups that he does. All right. Um. So the two guys in, in this in this opening scene, though, that uh, the Neil and Les, I think, God, are the they have names. They have names, even though they're never spoken on on screen. Um, Neil, the one that uh, is in the blue jacket with the baseball cap, not the tan jacket and the fisherman's hat, whatever the hell you want to call that thing. Bucket hat. Bucket hat. Yeah. Anyway, but Neil. So, uh, just uh, just FYI, Neil. Is Captain Claw in Star Trek Five? Oh, uh, get out! Not, yep. not the only Star Trek connection that we have in this movie. By the way, uh, there's, there's I, missed another, another. I missed one. No, no, there's another Star Trek connection uh, that we will get to in another category. Uh, so it's interesting that you bring that up. Uh, the other issue that I've got. Is and when we get to the characters section, how many fucking characters are in this movie? Oh God, yeah, actually, uh, so I keep a, a, a running kill list as I'm watching the movies, and I think this one had one of the highest. There's just so many, and the problem is, you you don't get to like you get to flesh out like three of them. Like you really care about uh, uh, Pam and Reggie. And a little bit Tommy, but not really because he even really isn't in this movie a whole lot. Uh, a lot. But, like, you don't really give a shit about a lot of these characters because there's so damn many. But we'll get to that when we get to characters. Um, this movie just feels dirty to me. Like, it feels gross to me. If that. If he... As someone who likes even some like rough sounding mu- mu- music and some rougher looking movies, like I mean, Ginger Snaps looks low budget, but I think all that does is add to the greatness of the movie. Same thing with like uh, something like Behind the Mask. Yeah, uh, I think it adds to those. That being said, those are both indie darling movies. This is the fifth movie in a major franchise, and everything just kind of feels slapped together, like the. Um, the redneck junior and I can't remember the mo- <laughs> Ethel, mom. Ethel, Ethel, you big like dildo. And Ethel, yeah, you the, big well, and dildo. <laughs> the inside of their home literally just looks like it was like we have all this fake, we have all these fake vegetables in this oversized pot. Yeah, what kind uh, of friggin' stew is she making with all that shit? She's well, just like throwing yeah. in whole carrots and stuff. Like, <laughs> no, no, she's breaking them up with her hands. Oh, it's weird. It's yeah, weird. no, I love, I love Ethel and Junior. Love oh Ethel and Junior. God, I'm not sure I've hated characters more so far. <laughs> I'm God, okay Ethel, with Ethel. We'll get there. I'm okay with Ethel, but Junior, uh, Junior annoys the shit out of me. Um, but uh, Junior, I mean, Junior is a great, 
a great role because he's probably one of the easiest roles in, in, in movie history because he, he doesn't have to memorize lines because <laughs> Ethel feeds him all of his <laughs> he lines. He just repeats everything. That he said. <laughs> and then he drives around going, they hurt me, Ma. They hurt me over and over and over. Uh, God bless. Uh, here's my issue with, with Pinehurst, the Pinehurst, Pinehurst Youth Development Center is – like for for a place that is supposed to be like for troubled kids and kids that are like, you know, this is their last chance. Uh, it's a non-traditional because like, you know, traditional uh, rehabilitation hasn't helped them. Like there's absolutely no structure, no guidelines, no anything, no consequences for any actions. Like in part two, you have the couple that keeps uh, like, like that gets in trouble because the sheriff finds him or the cop the, the the state cop who's the sheriff with whatever uh the sheriff driving the state trooper car <laughs> yeah. uh, he catches him and brings him back and you know uh uh the the head counselor is like you know you guys have to stay here while everyone else goes out and has fun blah 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 like there are consequences for their actions this is a place where not only do you have you know Younger people that that need to be that that have issues, but they need, you know, structure and consequences and stuff like that. And like, there are fewer. You know, Matt is just like, well, fuck it. Like, if they're going to be out on her her property having sex, like, who cares? I'm not even going to talk to him about it. Uh, like, there's, they should have more rules and structure than anybody else. And there's literally nothing. It's it's like the 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 shit version of of part two. Yeah, yeah. It's like it, it is it is the worst because, uh, like, you know, normal normal counselors have so much more accountability than these troubled youths that are coming from the the Unger Institute of Mental Health and dropped off, like. I, like for me, that's just bad. Like I never get it. Why? Why the 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 head muckety muck of this place isn't like okay? Listen, like you, you know, he gives Tommy the speech in the beginning where he's like, you know, you're kind of your own boss. We don't have a lot of rules here. Uh, you know, it's kind of like your rehab back into the real world. But even in the real world, like if you trespass, there are consequences, and there are none here. Uh, and it it, yeah, well, it makes me so mad. Um. Uh, one thing that uh, that I do want to uh, I want to touch base on when we're talking about you know the the whole production value of yep. this is uh, um, so one thing I, I, I always I, I kind of always talk about is is the reactions you know of of the actors and stuff and some of these things whether they're somewhat believable or not or whether I consider them completely outlandish reactions so I wound up calling this movie as I was watching it the uh, the collection of oh shit I left the oven on expressions <laughs> <laughs> like everybody that gets killed has the same expression just the eyes wide all of a sudden <laughs> just oh shit <laughs> I left the oven on the the ghost blowjob look is like what is what I like to call it because they're all wide mouthed and wide eyed, <laughs> like just about every single person. Yeah. Um. And, and and then you know in the set dressing of Pinehurst, you've got these signs in the background that I just want to know what happened or you know why were these signs put up? Like 
right when Tommy comes in, you know, you've got close the door and an arrow pointing toward the door. But do we do we need the arrow? Has it been mistaken at some point for something else? <laughs> Uh, toward the end, you know, up near, uh, right next to, uh, Headphone Girl's room. Um, her name is, is Vi. Yeah, Headphone Girl. Yeah, and, Violet. Uh, yeah. Son of a bitch. Yeah. Violet um, is her name. Yeah, you treat her but, with the uh, respect she deserves. Um, but, uh, there, there's a sign, absolutely no handball playing in the hall. Yeah, I saw that. I picked that out. I was like, <laughs> hey, no handball. Like, what? <laughs> Who's playing handball? <laughs> In that tiny ass hallway. Yeah. Who's playing friggin' handball? Nobody. Uh, yeah. Ugh. Also in Matt's office, I don't know if you probably didn't see it, um, but, uh, just to the, to the right of the scene, uh, hanging on the side of the shelf or whatever, there's a little, there's a little rubber face. <laughs> well, there's a little face. You can't tell it's rubber. I know it's rubber because it's a rubber hand puppet. I had one oh, in the 80s. I had one of those. <laughs> I saw it, and I'm like, shit, I had one of those. It was great. I was so excited to see that. I, yeah, I, I, I can understand that. Um, uh, yeah, like, I, that, that, listen, like, I, I feel the same way about this movie that I do about Halloween season of the witch is if it wasn't a Friday, the 13th movie, if it was a generic slasher movie, I feel like I would enjoy it a lot more. Yeah. Um, absolutely. If, if you'd replaced Jason with just random killer dude. Yeah. Into it. What they did. Well, I'm saying the character of Jason. Yeah, like you, you don't, you don't pretend it's Jason. Like it's, it's just you know, uh, random hillbilly cannibal or whatever the hell. Like you create yeah. a new, you create a new killer, uh, and you know, yeah. Um, well, one thing I will say in defense of this is that when we have dream sequence slash hallucination, Jason. Yeah, from Tommy's point of view, he's always in the Red Wings hockey match. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's your clue. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. But but then we see, you know, we finally, after you know how how long in this movie, we finally get to see uh, this Jason, and he's totally in a different hockey mask. Yeah. I mean, it's the blue, red, blue yeah. top. You know, night and day. So they are telling you up front. This is not Jason Voorhees. Now, whether it's subtle or not, and you pick up on the clues, you know, but they tell you this. Right. Like, if, if you're paying attention and you're observant, you know that there's a difference uh, with the red and the blue pips on the hockey mask. And they introduce characters that are supposed to be red herrings, um, you know, to, to make you think, oh, like, this is the guy doing the killing. Like, Which uh, I think you know. Would have worked really well had they not killed off the red herrings like almost immediately after introducing them. Yeah, uh, you, know, you have uh, you have uh, Vic in the beginning who you yeah. know, maybe maybe he broke out of jail or whatever, and now he's back. You have uh, that one weird guy that uh, shows up. Drifter at, dude. Yeah, the, the 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 crazy pervert drifter. Uh, you know, you've got they they try for a while to make you think it's Tommy. Um, yeah. 
throughout the whole movie because he's never around when the killings start. So, like, th- there are several potential red herrings that if you know going in that it's not Jason, you know, it does present an interesting change of pace. But yeah. but it, I, I think it's also very poorly executed. It is very poorly executed. I feel, I feel like had this movie been helmed by a different non-porn director who actually <laughs> who actually cared, you know, more about the story that was being told than about the the nudity that he had a chance to film, um, and you you had those three red herrings, you know, and you could have told a really really good story, yeah, and, and a good who done it. Yeah, because it, it would have been very akin to – I don't want to sound um, like I'm a heretic here, but uh, very much like the first movie where killings are happening, but you don't know who it is. Um, and it, like there are there are a couple people that could be that you just – you know, you, you have a list of suspects, uh, more of a mystery thriller than a straight-up slasher. Uh, could have been very fun, but – yeah, the way that everything's presented, this is the movie where I turn. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that in characters. But um, yeah, I, I think it has a a highbrow approach, but a very lowbrow execution. Yes, I agree with that completely. Because yeah, you're right. If it was if it was directed by a competent director that cared about storytelling. I guess, I guess when you're looking for storytelling, don't hire a porn director. Um, (laughs) Well, um, I mean, cause you've got, (laughs) you've got the scene, um, where Tommy, um, confronts junior. Yeah. You know, beats Um, the shit out of him. Beat the shit out of him. Exactly. Why part six Tommy doesn't fight like part five Tommy? I don't know. We'll get to that later. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but Pam, you know, rushes out and and stops Tommy. Kind of brings him back from the abyss of where he's at. And then the next scene with Pam is her coming back without Tommy. Yeah. So I feel like there's a there's a connecting scene that was well, either deleted or not shot that would have given us a lot more lead toward Tommy, you know? Yeah. Cause, cause the way it's presented is he just scampers off into the woods. Yeah. And they're he, like, Oh, there he goes. All right. He's gone. All right. Yeah. She, she doesn't make any attempt to find him no. or anything. She's like, Oh, uh, I guess he'll come back. I don't know. But that's another one of those where like this movie has a lot of missed opportunities. Like, I was begging for Tommy and Reggie, the reckless, to have kind of a relationship like Tommy and Rob had in part four, Mm -hmm. where they bond over like masks and props and stuff. And like Tommy kind of looks at at Reggie as like, hey, that like he sees a lot of himself in Reggie. And they kind of like, I thought that Reggie was going to be the one to like bring Tommy out of his shell and kind of get him talking. And like, they have a friendship because he's like, man, this guy's like me when I was his age. And, you know, the guy that I kind of 
bonded with real quick, ended up, you know, getting killed and so, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, restarting that, a, a friendship like that. And they just kind of wasted that. Yeah. If you just cut the shit with the, the whole brother and everything, which does nothing but set up a, uh, a don't you take no demon reason. out of this movie. So no, no, no. You, you take him completely out. You, uh, you set up ooh, baby. And the girlfriend that can't sing worse no, shit because no. it sounds like she's just saying the words. Where she is. But anyway, um, no, um, take him out. Leave the scene in where you know uh, where where uh, Dudley wants to um, uh, see his brother, but his grand have his Dudley? grandfather shoot it down. Yeah, Dudley. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong show. His, his name, right? Wrong show. Dudley. Yeah. Um, you know, having still have him want to go see his brother, but have his grandfather shoot it down, then that sets up a, a scene with him and and Tommy bonding, and you know, so that you slide Tommy into a, a, a surrogate brother role. Yeah, like he, going he in, becomes you know? the older brother. Yeah, um, yeah. How wholesome yeah. is that grandfather, by the way? Well, you know, considering he's uh, uh, pretty much plays the same character in the last Starfire. He's like the most wholesome character in this this movie. Um, low bar. Yeah. Well, like, like in a, in a, <laughs> in a, uh, a movie filled with garbage people, he is like a 10 out of 10 out of, of pure wholesome people. Um, but yeah. Ugh. Yeah. There was just, there's so much missed opportunity for, you know, character development and, you know, character arcs that, that, would have helped make this movie better than the Ethel slop that we got. Uh, now nah, I love Ethel. <laughs> I'll be taking away my Ethel now. Uh, Don't worry. Ethel's great. Wait, we're getting rid of demon, uh, demon, but we're keeping Ethel. Hey, hey we're hey. keeping Ethel because demon gives us nothing. El- Ethel gives us you big dildo. Which is like one of the best lines ever. Well, we'll, we'll, hold on. We're not to characters yet because before we get to characters, we got to get through uh, the next, the next section, which is uh, now, now you'll, you'll understand where this comes from because it's one of our favorite sections and it goes like this. It's the music. Of Friday the 13th, part five. Five out of five machetes for the music. (laughs) Just for that. Well, we, you know, uh, we've got, uh, it's a bit, it's a bit of a different, um, it's, it's a bit of a different sounding score this time. Uh, still, still, uh, you know, some Harry Manfredini action going on with the, with the music, but, you know, the, uh, the cues are a little different. Uh, it's familiar, but it's it's not the same. It's not the same cues that we get in one through four. Uh, it's basically a a more of a redone score. Uh, so I did notice that a lot. Like you don't get the um, the traditional some of the uh, traditional songs uh, from the, the, the pieces from the score that we got in part one through four. Uh, but 
I didn't I didn't hate it. Uh, I didn't I didn't mind it. But of course, the big addition to the score that everybody knows and loves little band called Pseudo Echo. And a song called His Eyes that we see in the Violet Kill sequence. A song that will get stuck in your head. Oh, that's right. There is music playing in it, isn't there? Yeah, she's doing that. She's doing the robot dance. Uh, She stops and starts again. Uh, Roy comes out of the closet. No pun intended. And she gets a very tamed down kill from what was originally planned. But uh, that is probably the highlight of the music in part five is pseudo echo. Uh, No joke. It is on the uh, it's on my phone. It's on my playlist for when I mow the lawn. (laughs) Uh, So. Uh, yeah, I play it, it's, I, I shuffle up the, the mowing playlist and, uh, every, every couple weeks, uh, pseudo echo comes on. So I love it. I love pseudo. I love his eyes. Uh, great song. Super fun. Very, very eighties. It's a good time. Okay. Ooh, right. And then Ooh, demon. Of course, that's the thing. Like demon. Uh, Musically inclined, obviously some kind of traveling yes. musician. Um, yeah, Ooh Baby, great song. Uh, much like probably one of his musical heroes, Elvis, he dies on the shitter as well. Uh, well, he dies in the shitter. Yeah, not necessarily enough. on the shitter. Close. I, I think when he, I think when he falls down after being stabbed, he falls on the toilet. So, but but he does continue the Friday the Thirteenth tradition of getting up off the shitter yep. without wiping. In leather pants, man. In leather pants. Oh, you're not you're not wiping yourself after you're shitting and you're wearing leather pants, dude. Mistake. <laughs> Then of course you've got his his girlfriend who apparently has the same musical inclinations as William Shatner. Oh, stop. You know. Be nice to her. Ooh baby. Baby ooh. Yeah. Ooh baby. That's like her singing. No, she 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 switches it up to Hey Baby. Oh, okay. She adds in a Hey Baby in there a couple times. Yeah, be nice to her. She's she's nice. (laughs) She didn't do anything to you. She made me listen to her singing. That that line that line when Reggie comes in and he's like, you got all this cool stuff. And then he looks over and goes, where'd you get that? And it's her. (laughs) Oh, that shit makes me laugh. I love it. Uh, Touching on, I don't know. I I, I saved this for the music area area Uh so that I would actually have something to talk about during the music (laughs) area. area. Um, But it's, it's not really music, but it has to do with the Foley artists on this movie. Okay. Uh, so I know you're going to talk about this, I guess you could call it a character later for another reason. So I'm not going to touch on that part, but the cat in the diner. Oh yeah. I'm, t- I'm uh, going to touch on that in a minute. Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah, I know. So, but the scene where the cat's introduced, you know, the cat is obviously kind of thrown into the scene, you yeah. know, and then, you know, the cat lands front feet on the, the, the booth seat and the cat's head actually goes under the table. The cat ducks under the table because cats are very agile. But the way it's looked and shot, I guess the Foley artist decided to put this really loud black. (laughs) (laughs) 
right there. And I'm like, did, did we have to have a focus shot of the cat apparently just knocking his head on a table? Why? Why? Well, why? I don't get it. I don't. Why we couldn't just have the cat land on the on the thing and scamper away? We had to have this loud black to reinforce that yes, the cat hit his head on the table in canon. Well, I don't uh, get it. It, it's just to add another loud noise to the uh, to the jump scare, I guess. I guess, I, I guess okay. they're trying to. I guess I guess they're trying to uh, uh, make that jump scare a little better. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I saw sure. it because because I saw it. And I'm like. Did, did the cat actually hit his head? Is is that why? We're, so I went back and I advanced it frame by frame. No, the cat ducks his head under because you can see the ears flatten out. But the Foley artist decided, you know what? That deserves to be a hit. Let's let's, let's make that a hit. What if what if, what if the uh, the Foley artist thought that uh, Lana backed up into something, and that was the the thwack? I don't see that. I don't, I'm trying I don't, to play I mean, devil's I, advocate because I, I've, I, I've never, I've never worked as a Foley artist. I've only ever actually met one of them. Um, but uh, I don't see Foley artists usually when they're when they're doing plying their trade on a scene. Going now, what is these other tertiary characters that aren't even in shot doing? And could I make them make noise? I don't see that. Well, especially on this turd fire of a movie. <laughs> I don't think I don't think that they're really looking in too deep on this. Um, gosh, yeah. Um, well, also under uh, in, in our next section, I've got more um, uh, things that they should have noticed but didn't. Um, because there's a real obvious one coming up. Um, but that's all I had for music. Uh, Pseudo Echo is the shit, and um. Probably my favorite, like song song from a Friday the Thirteenth movie so far in the series. With Ooh Baby, yeah, with Ooh Baby. That's <laughs> <laughs> my favorite original Friday the Thirteenth songs. Ooh Baby. Um. Well, that brings us to our next, our third section. Gore slash best kill. Uh, for a little little background, special makeup effects helmed up by Martin Becker this time. Uh, you might recognize some of Martin Becker's work on other films such as Freddy's Dead, April Fool's Day. He helped out with Friday the 13th Part 4 and Part 8. Uh, my personal favorite on his list, Suburban Commando, starring Hulk Hogan. And, oh, and special makeup effects on Star Trek Two. Oh, that's why I couldn't find it. So that's your Star Trek uh, connection right there. Is uh, they share a makeup artist? No. Um, this okay. one. Uh, this one's fairly graphic. Uh, it's fairly gory. You have several. Really? Yeah, yeah. You have uh, uh, the uh, the hedge clippers through the eyes that you see the aftermath of that. Uh, That's one of the gorier ones. Yeah, you see demon actually get the spike through his chest, which is pretty pretty impressive. Because um, uh, just because it doesn't cut away, uh, you have uh, Robin getting the machete under the bed, which is very reminiscent of part one. Uh, it's kind of a throwback to uh, a, a throw reference to uh, Kevin Bacon. Um, 
which you you see like the machete come through. Um, so there there's a couple of of gore highlights. I I think you and I are looking at two different things when it comes to gore. The uh, the, the the belt uh, over the eyes of uh, of Quick Draw McGraw. Uh, as I call him, uh, which if you notice, uh, the, the direction of the belt turn changes, uh, as he's twisting the belt. Uh, he does. He, yeah, he does. He, he starts going one way yeah. and then, then he comes back, but then there's a snap. And yeah. I'm, yeah. So he, he starts going but, the other way, uh, before the belt snaps. But, uh, uh, so yeah, there's, there's some decent, there's decent gore. I think you and I are having two different <laughs> concepts of gore. <laughs> So, like, uh, demon getting the spear through him. Yeah, you, you see the spear come out, but there's no gore there. I, I, you see very little blood. You see no gore. You just see the spear. Um, the machete through, you, you see the machete come up and off camera and then come back and it's bloody. Once again, no gore. Um, when uh, the 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 greaser guy number two. Oh yeah, we got to talk about those next. Oh jeez. Yeah, get, gets his throat slashed. Yeah. You know, first of all, kudos to this film for getting it. You know, the right side of the machete being used. Um, but it, you know, it's pulled across and it's just a red line. There's not even a prosthetic on his neck, so no gore. Um. Most of the stabbings, there's no gore. It's just, just a little bit of blood. Um, the goriest things that we get um, are, uh, <laughs> and I just just blanked uh, the, the 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 cheers to the eyes, because um, you get some there. Uh, you get some with Grandpa toward toward the end because his eyes are gouged out, and yeah. that's got some some nice makeup to it, although it doesn't hold on it for very long. Um, uh, and then there's a couple of like the 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 cleavers like on uh, you know, like the cleavers to the face and stuff like that uh, that you 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 see the cut the aftermath of the cut like on Jake but it's it's no more than it, it's it's like what you would get at um, uh, Halloween Express or something with some some gel blood so. I don't see a lot of quote unquote gore. There's, can we can yeah. we call this movie the Halloween Express of Friday the Thirteenth movies from now yeah. on? I would definitely do that. Is yes. that the official subtitle that we're giving it now? Yes. I like it, uh, and I, I guess what I, when I'm calling when I'm saying gore is I'm saying uh, like non cutting away like use of special makeup effects where like we we don't. We, we like on camera stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm not necessarily saying like buckets of blood and you know all of that stuff. Uh, but my what I'm looking for with that stuff is the you know actual use of you know on camera special makeup effect stuff. Yeah, it's kind of my I, I... my uh, my benchmark. Yeah, and 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 that's what I'm looking for as well. I, I'm not looking, like you said, for buckets of blood, but I'm I'm looking for, you know, in, in prosthetics. I'm looking for, you know, the actual cuts and stuff like that. But when all I get is a bloody blade, that's not gore to me. And you see the uh, the uh, yeah one of those uh, useless greasers that gets uh, again killed by the wrong side of the blade. 
No, no, he got killed by the right side. Did he get killed by the right side? I looked at it and I was like, oh, it looks like that's the wrong side again. No, no, it's the right side. I went by, I went frame by frame. Okay, 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 because it went real fast and I was like, motherfucker, they did it again. And I was going to get mad. Can we touch on Greaser 1 and Greaser 2 again for a moment? Yes. Sure. That that have no purpose. Oh, no, we'll no. get to those in characters, uh, because, yeah, we oh, are. Oh, wait, we're at Gore. We're yeah, at we're still at Gore. Gore. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I will disagree with that when we get there. So. He does get, uh, oh, one of them does get that really cool kill of the road flare through the mouth, though. Yeah. I will give that, that was, credit. Like, that was pretty sweet. That was that was a good kill. Yeah, well, I, um, it, I don't know who would stand there long enough for somebody to jam a road flare into their mouth. I think he'd move. But Maybe he was excited that he was going to get something else in the mouth, and... <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Um, but, uh, no. So, uh, what do we have for your, your, what you consider the best kill in this movie? Uh, who, who do you have as your, your number one kill? Well, so it's really a hard toss-up, and I kind of want to lump both of them together as one, and that's the, the Nympho couple. Yeah. Um, partly because, first of all, you, once again, you know the, the actual cutting is, is off-camera because you got that point-of-view shot. But what kills me on that is you, know, you have the, 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 the actual the, the cut, the kill. And when I first saw it, I thought it was the throat. It just seemed, you know, oh, he, he, he cut her throat with the shears. Blah, blah, yeah. blah. You, you don't find out it's the eyes until he rolls her over. And, and and so that reveal, I think, is awesome. Then his backing into the tree and the, the belt coming around and the twisting. I think that whole sequence is my favorite kill. That is pretty badass. It's a good one. So... Uh, mine, had they kept in the original version, would have definitely been Violet, uh, because you know now she gets a in the in the uh, existing theatrical cut she gets a you know more of a generic kind of kill, mm-hmm. uh, but in the the original cut was and you can see the behind the scenes pictures of it is he holds her up against the wall and cuts her from the bottom up. No. And so you can see like pictures cause she's wearing like white pants. Yeah. So it makes it that much grosser when you see that she has just got like a blood, like a seriously bloody crotch in those pants. And so there's a couple behind the scenes pictures and they had to cut basically all of it. Um, so you just get that generic, kill that she has machete through the stomach. Yeah. Yeah. So that would have been my favorite. Uh, that would have been a good one. Like, because that would have just been ridiculous. Uh, and it would have fit in with the absurdity of the rest of the movie. Um, I'm going to have to say the kill that I enjoyed the best, whether or not it was my favorite. Uh, but it just, it gave me so much satisfaction was uh, the motorcycle decapitation oh, on Junior. Yeah. Because that was, yeah. he is so fucking annoying, especially in that moment when he's driving around and you're like, it, 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 every single time I watch it, I'm like, I cannot take much more of this. And then <laughs> boom, he gets decapitated and you just see the head drop and it's 
like I cheer. I'm like, yeah. So it might not be, you know, my, the, the most brutal or, uh, you know, the, the goriest or whatever, but it's the one that I enjoy the most because it is at the apex of that character's annoyance to me. And pff, there it goes. It is, it is, it is one of the most satisfying ones. Yes. So, uh, uh my favorite kill is kind of a cheat, but it follows your reasoning of thinking. Okay. I fucking hate Joey. Yes! I'm so <laughs> glad that you picked this one. Hey, Joey was one of my... I, I was tossed... I was... Yeah, I'm, I, I love the Joey kill. Go ahead. Uh, So... <laughs> you know, he's just incredibly annoying, fucks up everything, very much like Scott. Um, <laughs> oh... I see myself every time his eyes go wide when he realizes he left that stove on. Oh, no. <laughs> um, so, yeah, when he gets the axe, uh, when he just gets axe murdered by shit, what's Vic. his name? By Vic. Yeah. Yep. Wood chopping dude. Yeah. yeah. Wood chopping dude. Uh, have a more generic name than Vic yeah, no, right. in an 80s film. <laughs> uh, it just. Yeah. It's satisfying. It is satisfying. So, yeah. And, you know, it's kind of the catalyst for the rest of the movie. So, um, and of course, you know, we've got a, there's a second kill in that, in that entire scene is the, the, the unwarranted murder of that, that chunk of wood. Oh God. Yeah. He's doing such a terrible job of cutting that thing. I've never seen anyone cut wood. Well, first of all, with the wrong axe, uh, but he is yeah. sending wood chips. He's doing a beautiful job of making mulch. Yeah, he's because it just flies, flies, oh, yeah. flies. It's awful. Like, yeah, he does a horrible job cutting that uh, that damn piece of wood. Like, it is it is real bad. He's, yeah, personally, my only thing, my only thing I didn't like about the uh, the Joey uh, kill was that it came so early in the movie because we needed a lot more of him saying, "Well, if that's the way you feel about it, we did needed we really that. need more than that." Yes, did All we? The way through, yes, did we? <laughs> well, he grew up to be a, uh, a a gross pedophile, so he's dead now. So. We're oh, the off. guy that played Joey was? Yeah, yeah, he was a gross child molester, and now he's dead. So fuck him. He is. Um, yep. But uh, yeah, that character super annoying. Uh, I would have renamed him uh, instead of Joey. I would have renamed him uh, another four letter name. Um, <laughs> if you catch my, dr- it might be someone that we know. Off the old block. Yeah. Weather alerts. Yeah. yeah. I would have renamed him a slightly more annoying name. Um, But that's that's who I think of every time when I think of Joey is that guy. So very satisfying kill. Uh, I'm with you. It was. Very. Which brings us to our next... Next uh, category, our next rating category, uh, it is characters and killer, and we lead it. See, Jason was my son, and today is his birthday. 
Now, we don't really have a Jason in this one. Spoilers, uh, as we know. But uh, this movie has a shit ton of characters. Um, I have I have uh, greasers dot 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 Y. Inflated uh, body count? Yeah. Well, see, I'm, I'm going to disagree that, that it was a completely throwaway character. Uh, or it's throwaway scene. Because, like, uh, hang on. Just bear with me here. First of all, I'm not advocating that it's great. Yes, you must. (laughs) (laughs) So, first of all, it's not great. You know, once again, this is, this is in the vein of poor execution on the storytelling part is because unlike the hitchhiker from, you know, the previous movie, or yeah, yeah, which does nothing, this one does set up the scene, you know, later on with, um, the, um, uh, the sheriff. Uh, investigating and the sheriff calling, you know, it sets up the fact that the authorities are aware of what's going on and something is going on. And we get the scene between the sheriff and Roy that once again, had it been done better, that would have been one of your very subtle clues that Roy's the actual killer. You talking to me, sheriff? Exactly. No, Roy. No, Roy. You, you yeah. know about your business. No, no Roy. Uh, whatever, Roy. All right. Thought yeah. you were talking to me, sheriff. <laughs> See? What the fuck? Exactly. Once again, it's not executed well at all, but no. I get why that scene is there, so I can't call it a completely useless and throwaway scene. Uh, so solve it right now. Uh, we're going we're gonna to officially make a determination on Friday the 13th lore in general, because uh, we have three people we can make a deciding vote. First gay couple in Friday the 13th history or not? Yes or no? <sighs> yes. Because, because... I, I was- they're, they're, they're talking about how they're going to meet a couple girls, but they're wearing all leather, and one of them's wearing that hat. <laughs> and nobody who wears one of those hats is straight. So are they, are they the first gay couple in Friday the 13th history or not? I, I didn't get that when I was... What when I was seeing it because my entire brain was why are we why do we have fifties greasers in, yeah. in this movie in a nineteen eighty five I mean yeah I'm like uh, you know and 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 I get why they were killed and I get why the scene was was added even though it was poorly executed I get it but why the greaser outfits I didn't understand so that and the fact that who comes back from taking a shit in the woods and his buddy is. Uh, bent over in the hood, yeah. you know, laying up. And he just immediately jumps in the car without, you know, to just starts turning the engine over. <laughs> and then taunting him. Yeah. I'm like, dude, little warning. You don't just start up an engine when somebody's over in the engine. Yeah. Uh, you like, don't. It's like <laughs> bad form. <laughs> uh, yeah. I. Now, see, uh, like, I almost would put. Um, uh, Unger, Unger's uh, mental health facility's finest, Billy, on the same level of uselessness as those greasers. But he gives me one of my favorite lines in movie history where he says, The forecast is cloudy in the mountains, sunny in the valleys, and snow flurries up your nose. <laughs> Which is friggin' brilliant, and I love it. Uh. The only thing I like, man. the only thing I like about that that's that entire sequence, besides Lana's besides Lana's boobs, yeah, um, 
is the 68 Charger. Because <laughs> uh, it's just a great car, even though it's not orange uh, in, in this movie. It's one of the few times you see a 68 Charger not orange. So even though it's primer gray, I think, <laughs> which just fits his character oh so well. Yeah, he's just so basic. Um, uh, speaking of, Lana uh, continues the tradition. Uh, she talks, she has a conversation with the cat. Yep. Uh, so now we have five movies in a row. In where, a row. Uh, every single Friday the 13th movie so far, uh, a character has a conversation with an animal. So four out of those five, I guess, I don't know if you count the uh, um, the rabbit from the third one. Um, most of them aren't pets. Uh, most of them are like found animals, which is also interesting. But... Uh, yeah, continuing that tradition, which is super fun. I wrote that down. Uh, Lana, conversation with animal, arrow, cat in diner. Uh, <laughs> so I wanted to make sure that I noted that. Uh, can I also ask a really, uh, uh, can I ask a question when we, when we have the final scene, uh, and they're explaining, uh, to everybody that Roy is the killer because you can't fucking tell by the way that they framed the, the shot that yeah, reveals his face. You, you, yeah, um, you can't. They're uh, they're opening his wallet and he's got a really updated picture of Joey for some reason. <laughs> yes. That okay. like in the for- beginning they're like no one knows what happens to his dad like he no he just ran off I guess like it's been a secret and he somehow has like a picture that was from like three weeks ago. Like uh, how yeah. how the hell does that happen? He took that picture in the morgue. <laughs> oh my god! Damn. <laughs> Um, jeez. Uh, yeah. Pose him to smile. I need a photo. Yeah. <laughs> hold his hand, hold his mouth into a smile. I'll Photoshop your fingers out. It'll be great. <laughs> um, God. Yeah. There are just so many characters and the problem is you don't get characterization about anywhere near enough of them. Uh, like why is Robin in Pinehurst? Because she has no, like you have the, the, the stuttering guy, you have the, uh, the 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 two kids that won't stop doing it. Uh, yeah, the info couple, yeah. Yeah, you have uh, Vic, who obviously should have been there. Um, Has anger issues, yeah. Yeah, uh, Violet, who is uh, absolutely not adjusted socially. Um, but Robin is just like a normal person. Like she has no like personality ticks or anything. But she's there for some reason, and they spend no time on her whatsoever, and then she's killed. Yeah, she she has no character development at all. It's like the movie that I keep trying to compare it to is uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, because you have like a collection of kids in an isolated space um, yep. that are trying to get better. And like by the end of Friday the Thirteenth Part Three, like you feel like you know all of those kids really, really, really well. Mm-hmm. By the time you get to the end of Friday Five, you're like, I don't find, like, I. It, it, it's it's a weird thing because like this is the point in the series where I turn, and I'm rooting for them to get killed because they're all on screen so little that they annoy the shit out of me. And I'm yeah, I mean. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I I was going to say, like, in these movies, you're supposed, like, the formula is you introduce these characters that you're supposed to feel bad for when they die. 
And you're not supposed to root for Jason, but like at this point in the series, or in this case, the killer, because I know it's not Jason, but for this, I'm going to say Jason. Um, for this, like they, like I care so little about them and they annoy me so much. Like I turn. And for a place where these kids are like, they're supposedly quote unquote damaged in some way, and you should feel extra sympathy for them, it feels super dirty. And like gross for a movie because now they just seem like they're being exploited. They have no redeeming qualities and you just want to see them die. Yeah. I mean, there was absolutely no one that in this movie, I was like, Oh, that's a bummer with maybe the exception of a uh, Vi, but that was just cause she was, ah. <laughs> the, yeah, the, the only, the only one I was sad to see get killed in this movie was Violet yeah. only because I, I wanted her to live and to still be dancing in her room, surrounded by bodies, completely unaware of what has happened around her. <laughs> yeah. With her damn headphones on. Exactly. <laughs> just has no clue what has happened yeah. until like the next morning when she sets the table for breakfast and she's set, wondering why she's the only one at the table. She sets too many she places. She sets way too many places. <laughs> yes, yes, we both made that joke. I love it. Uh, yeah, it's just like when I get to the end of the movie, like I feel, like I feel gross when it's done because it feels so exploitive. Like it's it's a group. It's not like traditional campers where, you know, maybe some of them are bad people and. You know, but there are some that you feel really sympathetic for. In in this movie, you should going in like you should feel like super sympathetic towards all of them because society or the world at some point has has done them wrong and has like they've been dealt an unfair hand at some point and. So they don't necessarily have the same toolkit that we have for dealing with high stress situations for one reason or another. So you should really want them to succeed. You should want them to overcome the additional obstacles of whatever hand life has dealt them and this stressful situation and have them come out further ahead but instead, they're all written so poorly, they're, I'm going to say it, acted so poorly that you, like, instead of wanting them to succeed and cheering for them, you're like, I can't wait for this fucker to die. <laughs> like, I just, I can't wait for him to, for him, her, what, like, to get a machete to the face because, like, I'm fucking done. And, yeah, it's, it's such a conflict. Well... You know, if if you went back and once again remade this movie and this story with um, let, let, let's go with not even a Jason, but just a generic killer, um, a competent director, and and you cut the second cast <laughs> out of this movie because it feels like there's two full casts jammed yeah. in this movie. You've you yeah. got the, the kids cast and then the everybody else sprinkled around the edges cast. Um, cut out the other cast completely, uh, and and did it as a who's the killer thing. It could work very well. Yeah, 
I mean, it's got potential and it starts, you know, a couple of interesting threads that it never sees all the way through. And so you have a lot of wasted opportunity and wasted potential and you just, you end the movie and you're just like, it just, it doesn't set right. Like I never, I never finish watching it and I'm never like, Oh, this is great. Like this was a good choice. (laughs) Uh, like there are some bright spots, like the mayor is friggin' hilarious when he's like, when, when the sheriff tells him that he knows that it's Jason and he takes the ashtray and he's like, there's your Jason. And he pours it out. Like, that's like, that's funny. I love it. Uh, like that stuff is good. You have, you have a few bright spots. Uh, of course, Reggie, the reckless is friggin' like the one of the only child actors that I don't hate. Uh, like I want to root for him. Like I would watch a movie with him with like just him, uh, demon for the short time that he's in there. I would watch a demon spinoff movie. Uh, I would watch a violet spinoff movie. Uh, like I would, uh, like I have created backstories in my mind for some of these characters because the movie does such a shit job of giving me a backstory for some of them. That like, and and that's, that's a bummer because like, there is so much opportunity here, but they've added so many characters that it's impossible to, to, to flesh any of them out. Well, yeah. And to go back to what you were saying, it's like they use the most generic stereotypes of the mental health patients Mm -hmm. that they can think of. I didn't realize that having a stutter made you uh, a mental patient yeah. with no other backstory about it. Nope. Or, uh, you know, liking to have sex as a teenager yeah. makes you a mental patient. Yeah. So I, it was just one of those things where I was like, this is uh, not offensive because I don't really care, but it's just the most like paint by numbers they could make it. Yeah. And, well, and like, like li- oh, sorry, go ahead. Literally to the point where it's just like, oh, okay, no, these, you know, the dude did porn before this. It makes sense because he used very paint by numbers kind of characters. Yeah. Uh, Like there's a point where um, uh, the uh, the stuttering character, whatever his name is, I didn't take the time to learn his name. Uh, He sucks. Um, Where like (laughs) Jake, Jake, thank you. Uh, You go from uh, like, I'm pretty sure and I may be wrong because I might have just blocked it out of my mind. But, like, from that scene where he says you don't set a plate for a dead person until he's sitting on the couch with Robin, like, you don't even see him. No. Like, he's just not in the movie. And so it's like you have 45 minutes of movie that one of your supposedly main characters just isn't even in. Well... That and and then you know after the nympho couple gets killed and and Matt is uh, you know uh, Pam's getting ready to take Dudley out to see Demon. Um, <laughs> Name's not Dudley in this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm calling him Dudley. No, uh, you know Matt's pissed because the the nympho couple's not back yet. That's the last time you see him alive. Yeah. Like. That's his exit from the movie. You know, he's he's done. He's got to go. You know, be a mentor to Indiana Jones now. I, I guess somebody has to. Yeah, it's just like, yeah. There, there's just so much where it's like, if these are your quote unquote like second tier characters, like Tommy, 
is your first tier. And, and I guess Reggie, the reckless is in your top tier. And then, you know, your second tier is like all of these people in the, in Pinehurst, you know, you go so long without seeing some of these characters and then they expect you to feel anything when they get killed. And it's like, how, how do you expect anybody to have any kind of emotion about it when you don't even like you, you, you don't get to know any of them except for that's the kid with the stutter. That's the girl that's there for some reason, but she's so bland and personality less that you never even know what she's about. Yeah. As, as far as, you know, stutter dude, uh, that, that one scene at the breakfast table when he, when he yells at Vi for that is the only hint uh, of anything socially awkward about him yeah. is, is him saying, you don't set up. And I, and I, I, I guess I always took it or I took it is he, uh, has probably something like Asperger's syndrome or something. And he's just, you know, he can't, he's, he's literally like, what are you stupid? They're dead. I don't, you know, cause, uh, but once again, it's not fleshed out at all. That's right. just what I took. But yeah. and that's like, um, yeah, the movie forces you to connect the dots in your own way because it it doesn't care to do it itself. Yeah, and that's annoying. Um, let's see, uh, Pam. How do we feel about Pam being the final girl? Interesting, different, uh, different final girl than yeah. Previously. I mean, yeah. Not not overly surprising. First so. of all, she's one of my favorite final girls because she had a chainsaw machete sword fight with Jason. <laughs> she did. She has a disappearing pink sweater and a chainsaw machete fight. Did you guys notice that, by the way? I did not. When she's running through uh, the woods and it's raining, um, her, her pink sweater that she's got uh, over her shoulders appears and disappears like two or three times. Oh, really? <laughs> if you go back and you watch it, like, the continuity is so tragic that, like, from scene to scene, like, she runs off the screen to the right, comes back on the left, and she's not wearing the sweater, and then she runs off to the right, comes back on the left, and she's wearing it again. Um, well, she, she dropped it. I had to go back for it. Yeah, I guess. Uh, like, it's it's painful. Like, if if you notice it, like, you're – here's the thing. If you don't notice it, you'll probably never notice it. But once you notice it, you can never unnotice it. Yeah. Yep. And that's the problem. So, like, if if you don't notice it, don't ever look for it. Forget that I said it, because if you go back and you see it that one time, you're going to be like, "Fuck!" Now I can never unsee that. Uh, but I like Pam as a final girl. She wears a white shirt in the rain with no bra. She's cool with me. She does. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's cool very wonderful. The, the few scenes you actually can tell. Yeah. It's cool with me. Like I got, I got no, I'm, I'm not mad about it. Um, but, uh, no, I, I like that the final girl this time is like, is an adult, like is not a, not a teenager. Like she, she kind of becomes a badass. like towards the end of it. Like she becomes very protective and she goes from being, terrified when the lightning crashes in Tommy's room and he, and she sees all the bodies to she's in the barn with like bursts out with a friggin' chainsaw. Like she has a pretty good character arc. Uh, so she, uh, I believe her as a, as a badass. You could say she, uh, hacks a chainsaw. 
and she'll skin your ass raw. Bam, bam. That's me making Limp Biscuit references. Bam, bam. Oh, okay. That that's a band of some sort, right? I fucking hate you I hear so much. I hear they're better than anyone. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. That's a joke for three, but I'm okay with it. That's a joke for three. Uh, so yeah, we have uh, our finals are uh, Reggie the Reckless, who I'm hoping that everybody loved as much as I did. Uh, Tommy, who really didn't have a lot to do in this movie. Uh, he was kind of a bitch. Uh, and uh, Pam were your your final three. So a pretty solid mix. Yeah. I'm not against it. I'm yeah. not against it. Uh, so that brings us to, I think those are all my notes for characters. Yeah, the Roy updated photo. That just never fucking made sense to me. Um, overall ratings and why out of five, we've had, uh, we've had a uh, fairly strong, fairly strong ratings so far in the series. Um, I feel like this one might be a drop, but, you know, we've had, I think we've all had fours and fives for just about everything so far. So we've had a, you know, solid entry after solid entry. And I feel like this is the point where uh, they start to take a turn. So, uh, Scott, what do you got for Friday Five? So, as much as I do enjoy this movie for, for reasons, <laughs> um, objectively speaking, um, my uh, my ratings uh, averaged everything out to I gave it three and a half, and I gave it the half because of the amount of boobs. <laughs> so as far as movies go, I gave it a three, but I am the boobs surprised. Up a bit for me. I am honestly surprised that you rated it that high. Well, like I said, I, I, personally, I like the movie and I I, I enjoy watching it, uh, but I, I'm just weird that way. Because, uh, like, is how how many times before this had you seen this one? This one, like, so this is the one that I've seen the most because there was the time when it was when it was on TV like quite a bit. Yeah. So I've seen it on uh, on my DVD copy three times now, and I think I probably saw it at least three, maybe four times over the years before that. So, like, literally, I saw it many times out of context. And I didn't even know what I was watching. So, uh, like, on USA Up All Night or something like that would show it or, or whatever. But, yeah. Okay. I'm waiting to get to the one, to some of these that you've never seen before because I feel like this is going to be – that's those are going to be my favorite episodes to, to get to. Uh, All right, so three and a half for you. All right, Koran, what you got? One and a half. Oh, one and a half. That's what I was expecting from people. Yeah, it's it's not good. It's just not like. Uh, it's lazy and unoriginal, and there's just honestly not much to like about it. That's that's fair. One and a half. Um, listen, okay. On uh, strictly from a nuts and bolts perspective, um, it has all the makings of what should be a great slasher movie. It has creative kills. 
It's got uh, it's it's got good nudity in it. Um, it's got some tension filled moments. Um, it's got, it's like, it's like you're making a cake and you have all the ingredients, but you don't follow the recipe exactly. You overcook it. You do undercook it. You do whatever you do because however it was produced, created, made, all the ingredients did not turn out to give you the end product that you should have had. Maybe, maybe Ethel's uh, preparation of the stew was an allegory. <laughs> maybe it was because like it has, it had like when I think of Friday five, I think every time before I watch it, I'm like, it's not that bad because it's got that great, you know, hedge trimmer, hedge clippers to the eyes and the belt kill. And, um, you know, it's got, it's got some pretty memorable characters. It's got the robot dance. Like it's not, it's not a terrible movie. And then I watch it and I'm like, yeah, it is a terrible movie. Uh, so it's got all the earmarks of a movie that should be good. It just underperforms because it's not made well. Uh, it's not competently made. Uh, it's not shot well. It's not written well. Um, the characters aren't made well, excuse me. Um, it's just not, uh, it's, it's not a good movie, um, because of some of the creative kills, because of it tries something a little different that I think at its core, the story is not bad. It's just executed Poorly. Uh, I side with Koran one and a half out of five is what I wrote down. I think had they gone with a more traditional director and a more traditional approach to even that story, I think the movie would have been a lot better. But it is what it is. And we got what we got. And I think this is the one that I start to turn and I find the characters so obnoxious that I start rooting for the killer. And up until now, there's like, I've always. Like whenever I watched him, I was always like, oh man, like I like these kids. I like, I like the kids and I hope they make it out alive. And like, there's not a single person in Pinehurst that I'm like, oh, I hope they live because they are a character that I feel is worth surviving. Just very disappointing. Yeah. There was just... Like forty minutes in, I found myself wishing the movie would be done already. Yeah, yeah. Uh, props though for making it uh, to forty minutes in before you just wished for <laughs> all of it to die. Um, so there you have it, uh, Friday Five. I think it's time next week uh, that we're going to return to the roots. We're going to go back to Camp Cruel. Oh no, we're going to a place called Camp Forest Green this time. <laughs> So sounds nice. That sounds like a nice place to be. 
Um, Sounds like an air freshener. Yeah. Oh, I hope it. Uh, I hope it smells like one of those green green trees. Uh, if you're enjoying the uh, the the series so far, uh, give us a uh, give us a a, a a Patreon follow. Patreon.com slash FWB podcast. Uh, you can support us to do even more bonus episodes, bonus series like this one uh, without your support. Uh, or with your support, rather, we can grow and do so many more. So if you're having fun, uh, give, give the episode a share. Share it with somebody that you think might like it. Uh, give us a, a, a patron, Patreon support. Become a patron. All that good stuff. Um, but yeah, I guess, uh, I'll see you guys at camp forest green. You will. And obviously by the end of, uh, the fifth movie, um, we're expecting Tommy Jarvis to come in and kill us all. So hopefully he'll put us out of our misery God, before I we hope. have to watch part before we have to watch part seven. Oh, I hope so. Uh, yeah. Until then I'm Chris. He's Chris. He's not Chris. And, uh, thank you for being our friends. With benefits. <laughs>